Cue fake podcast music. Da 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 da. Dun dun. Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. And so, Jen, I just want to bring up a. We're on a new platform called Pod, Podbean, right? Yeah, Podbean. We're not on the platform. All right. I'm in. We're in the directory. We're in the directory. So if you use it, yeah. you can listen to us. Okay. On there I saw, okay, there was this one, Mo Rocca is a guy, mm-hmm. and he has this one called Mobituaries, and one of the episodes for his podcast were deaths on sitcoms. You would click on that. I did. You would. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. So I'm going to look for more of his stuff. He just has a couple episodes out. So deaths on sitcom, like real deaths, well, like, or just characters that are killed off? Characters that are killed off. So kind of cool. Yeah, they mentioned one that I remember, like, in Happy Days. I grew up watching Happy Days when it first came on. I was a kid watching TV. And Richie Cunningham has an older brother that, after season two, is just never mentioned again. Hmm. It's just never mentioned again. That is actually kind of cool. Yeah, and the very, like, last episode, uh, Mr. Cunningham's like, I raised two fine children. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> now they're not even acknowledging that kid was alive. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and it was different things like that. There was a um, a show called, well, it started out called, like, Valerie's Family, mm-hmm. and it had Valerie Harper on it, and after she demanded more money, they killed her character in an auto accident. <laughs> then it was called Valerie's Family, like, colon, the Hogan Family, and after a couple of years, it was just the Hogan Family. Ah, I yeah. do remember that show. You remember that show? Yeah. yeah, I used to watch that, too, and I do remember when she was killed off, and Sandy Duncan is the actress that replaced her. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it I thought it was pretty cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah, so every time like we're part of a new like directory or on a platform, I always check them out. <laughs> yeah, and, and find new stuff to listen to. That is different. That was good. So today, I'd like to see if I can go first. I don't think it's your turn if we're counting. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. The reason why I said that is because you didn't ask me what I was doing yet. Oh shit! So what I terrible? Wow. What happens if I say something? Yeah. So great that yeah. you want me to go first. So you're just assuming even, right now I, that yours even, is the best. Well, I actually didn't even tell you what I'm doing either. I just started talking about Podbean. Apparently, I'm off my game today. <laughs> what are you doing, by the way? Um, abducted in plain sight. It's a documentary on Netflix. Okay. Like everybody's talking about it. Yeah, um, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm gonna rely on you to tell me what's up. I'm only gonna give top level. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna give some details. So for your, the listeners that haven't seen it, but for all the morbid details, but all the details, and I just feel like you could sit here all day and talk about it. Oh yeah. Nothing will compare to actually watching it, and how many times I'm like looking at the screen, going, "What." The F is going on. You, no. Really? Like, I even, there's multiple points in this documentary. I'm like, this is fake. This really? is completely fake. There is a book. Yeah. The, the not, main character in the documentary yeah. that this happened to, um, wrote, her mother wrote a book. Right. And she does speeches and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, this just cannot even be real. But, and now that I know it is real, yeah. everyone online's focused on, you know, criticizing the parents and whatnot and i'm just going to start off with the fact that i just think they were naive they were manipulated um and this shit's real yeah so we should focus on that that this kind of manipulation happens in the world yeah i agree and it's so easy to blame people 
even though every one human being on this planet, every single human being has made mistakes. When other people make mistakes, we seem to be like, oh, I would have done, I would have oh, done yeah, that. I, I would have done better. Like, yeah. there's actually, I always say this about my hairdresser. She's a nice person. I'm not going to even say her name just in case. <laughs> Very nice young lady. But if you listen to her, she's never made a mistake. <laughs> and if you... And if you talk to her and be like, well, here's a mistake that I made, she'd be like, I never would have made that mistake. Like, she's one of those people. Like, God bless you. I hope you never do make a wow. mistake. I hope, I hope you're... I would be sitting there like, cut my hair wrong. Just <laughs> do it. I, she oh. actually does a really good job of cutting hair, which is why I put up with her never having... And like, and if I talk to her and I say something, she's like, I never would have done that. Like, oh my God, just keep cutting my hair. The fact that you have a regular hair dry, yeah. dresser tells me that you're old. Oh, no, Two. it tells you that I have curly hair and not everybody knows how to uh -huh. cut. Oh, my God. That, okay, if you that, want to claim that. Oh, they've given me helmet head more than once. You don't want to do that to curly hair. It was, I, I refer to it as a Lego haircut because I look like my curly hair is messed up. Oh, my God. I look like a... Yeah, no. Nope. I, I go to whoever's available. Yeah. But note, I, like, go every two years and get yeah. my hair cut. But you have long, straight hair. And I don't talk to them. Yeah. I say hello. Oh, she looks like, oh, she and then her I'm name. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah, she talks and she's never made a mistake, just so you know. <laughs> wow, I need her to make decisions in my life. Well, I make tons of mistakes. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Okay, so what do you got? So at the end of the last podcast, I made a mistake about the guy that was in jail for 38 years. I'm going to fix that. Also, you asked me, so like, what is uh, a speedy trial? What is considered a speedy trial? Mm -hmm. I looked it up. And then I also mentioned last episode that I was going to look into a case in Michigan where somebody was convicted of murder but did get out because um, he was not given a speedy trial. Okay. So I'm going to fix my mistakes. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you the story. So I was wrong about what I said in the last podcast. <laughs> of course I am. I don't know why you start that. Of course I am. This is oh, what I get for talking so about. I, yeah, I talk off the cuff, and apparently half my shit's wrong when I do that. <laughs> so here's the synopsis of the synopsis of the correct story of a man who spent 38 years in jail and later sued for a million dollars. Okay. So, Fred Clay was convicted of murder in 1979 in Massachusetts. The Innocence Program in Massachusetts was able to work on overturning Fred's conviction, which hinged on a single person's eyewitness testimony. Which makes me really want to look up because eyewitnesses are wrong so often, so many times. There was even once a white dude that went to jail and do an eyewitness testimony, mm -hmm. and it was a black dude that committed the crime. Holy crap! So yeah, like, I would never, I would never be able to be an eyewitness. Yeah, I can't even remember like what I did two seconds ago. Exactly, I'm terrible. I, I'm I would not just observant be whatsoever either. So they proved that Fred was jailed improperly. They proved that he was innocent, innocent, and all the stuff they had against him wasn't um, good enough to keep somebody in jail. And he was released in August of 2017 at age 53. Now, he's been in jail for 38 of those 53 years. Wow. So Fred received $1 million for compensation from the state, which is the greatest amount allowed under Massachusetts law. Fred's case was being highlighted because he was originally given no compensation. I guess it's very hard to get comp compensation from Massachusetts. And after being jailed for 38 years, he was have, having a hard time re-entering society because family members are dead. He doesn't have skills. He yep. hasn't been to school. You know, all these things because he was jailed at such a you know young age, such a young man. Now I got a new thing. Yeah? One. Do they pay taxes on this one million? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I didn't even think about that. Do they pay taxes? I don't know. Do they get paid in one lump sum? I want to know. I'm going to guess lump sum. 
I'm going to guess not. I bet you it's payments because they do something like they're going to pay you. And then when you die, they don't have to pay you anymore. Oh, they're going to hope you die before the million's yeah. out. Yeah. And yeah, they only go up to a million. But I was like 38 years. That's only like 20. I think someone did that. Like that's 23,000 a year or something. Like yeah. That. But I look at it as, okay, if you didn't have to pay tax on it, you got $1 million. Yeah. Okay. So you invest some of that. Yeah. You live frugally. You don't have to work. Well, he's already fifty three, so yeah, he, yeah. So you don't have to work the rest of your life. I mean, I just feel like okay, I could live at that age with a million dollars. Yeah, I can make that happen. Okay, I hope Fred does. Yeah, he deserves a lot of things. So I looked up. We were talking about what is a speed. You asked me what mm -hmm. is a speed. Okay, just so you know, the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America is a single sentence that I swear to God is its own paragraph. It is so long. <laughs> So many semicolons. <laughs> so I'm just going to read the first part. So our Sixth Amendment is, In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. So that's your right to have a speedy public trial. Mm -hmm. So what is speedy? I think that's per, it actually is per state decides what's speedy. So in Michigan, the court must schedule in a practical manner. So this is according to um, Rule 6.004, speedy trial is what it's called. Okay. Criminal cases must receive scheduling priority over civil, civil cases, and defendants in custody are given privilege over defendants who are out on bond. There are rules about 28 to 80, to 80 days in jail um, before trial with several exceptions, and I actually have the link to the actual thing because it's a lot of legal jargon. They're like, unless you have this, these six exceptions in which they can keep you in there longer. Okay. All right. So here is the case of a murder be being let out because he said his Sixth Amendment right was violated. Okay. So the Tasty Cafe in Marshall, Michigan, served, you know, typical diner food, burgers and sandwiches. And it was owned by Paul and Nola Puyer, a couple who had been married for 38 years. So I always just imagine, like, this sweet couple owning the diner. Yeah. She's working the front. He works the back or something. <laughs> so August 8th, 1967, a few minutes after 9 a.m., a mailman brought a package to the Tasty Cafe. It was wrapped in brown paper and marked with the word books. I would have been pumped. I love books. You read. Yeah. I read. It'd be awesome, right? No. So Nola took the package behind the counter and opened it. After she tore open the paper, Nola, who was 56 years old at the time, could be heard saying the word, oh, right before a bomb exploded. Oh. Yeah. I don't think that's what I would be saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, don't. I think you have one of the... Drop it! Yeah, no, my <laughs> Drop it, lad! Of course, I would cuss. I'd just be like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, what were her last words? Uh, we think it was shit. <laughs> or then she might have yelled out, oh, fuck, afterwards, but we're not sure. <laughs> because the bomb drowned it out. <laughs> so no customers or other employees were killed by the bomb, but Nola died instantly. So there were other people around, and it just, but it just took her out. The blast projected towards the rear of the building, destroying the back portion of the restaurant. The force was strong enough to blow glass from the front windows onto Michigan Avenue. Wow. Yeah. Um, Nola was seen as a kind and motherly type, so her violent murder was a surprise to, like, the locals. Nola's husband, Paul, was the first suspect, right? Always the husband. Mm -hmm. He had numerous extramarital affairs, including using a trailer he had parked in Barrington two hours north of Marshall for meeting his lovers. Yeah, I was like, so he was, like, invested in this extramarital yeah, affair stuff. <laughs> Paul was known to have uh, affairs with people of both sexes. And after that, I wrote, extra scandal in a small town. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Super juicy. So the only snag in that hypothesis was that Paul was also in the 
diner when the bomb went off. And usually when you blow someone up, you try not to be by them. Or, yeah, that was his thought. Well, he was just a few feet from her when the package was open, so he probably if would have expected to take some shrapnel. Yeah, but that's the whole point. He would do that, yeah. so it would be like, oh, well, why would I be standing there? Yeah. Well, keep, uh, let me keep going. Yeah. So the police encountered a twist. When they found out um, the pills that Nola normally received through the mail had been poisoned by a type of lie, possibly Drano, they were described as nerve pills in one article, which is what they used to call tranquilizers back in the day. And luckily she hadn't um, tried to take any of them after they arrived. And the pills were actually found as part of the crime scene. So as they're going through the where the bomb exploded, they find her pills. And when they start looking at her pills, some of them are actually poisoned with lye. Huh. Yeah. So now the, now the police aren't actually looking at Paul for the murder. Because the pills prescription was months old. And had he been trying to kill her, the easiest way would just be giving her a pill. Be like, you look upset, take this pill. Not standing next to her while a bomb went off. Mm -hmm. Right? So she died after opening an explosive package standing next to him. And they're like, nah. So the case goes cold for about two months, and the police don't have any other leads. Well, the murder case was moved forward when a note in a plain envelope arrived at the Detroit News's uh, mailbox called the Secret Witness Mailbox. And the Secret wit Witness Mailbox was set up to financially reward people who were able to reopen stalled legal cases by sending in anonymous tips. That's cool. That's what I thought. And here, look, it worked, right? <laughs> The nameless person who wrote the letter claimed to recognize the handwriting on the package. A handwriting sample from the two packages had been reproduced in the Detroit News newspaper. So the person claimed that the writing belonged to Enoch Chisholm. You want to know who that boy is? Yeah. Enoch Chisholm was a 44-year-old man who was a factory worker who wanted to buy the Tasty Cafe from the Puyers. So I just thought, so you blow it up? How stupid is that? Yeah, that's kind of dumb. Yes. So Paul was willing to sell, but Nola was not interested in selling the business. And Enoch was known as a wife beater and a family terrorizer. And he had been convicted for arson in April 1966. Okay. Yeah, so just to give you what his character is mm -hmm. like. So a side note on Enoch, he was a racist. So Enoch's conviction, <laughs> conviction for arson came from setting fire to a home that his brother owned. Because his brother was willing to rent to both white and black people. So he tried to burn the house down. Okay. Yeah, so another glimpse into his character. Yeah. yeah. So Enoch was arrested for murder by a Calhoun County sergeant while driving home from work down the expressway I-94. The police managed to link the bomb's package to the package that had contained the tainted pills. A handwriting expert identified the writing on both packages as belonging to Enoch. It was also found that he had purchased dynamite near his work site before the bombing. Okay. Yeah. And weeks before the bomb blast, Enoch and Nola were heard in a heated argument over the sale of the diner. So she had the nerve to, like, tell him no, and he's like, really? I'll blow you up. So I wrote, second side note on Enoch. Enoch's mother-in-law, Mrs. Josie White, was working at the restaurant when the bomb detonated. But he said that was a coincidence. That his oh, mother-in-law okay. was in there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What a way to get rid of her mother-in-law. Be like, did she blow up? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. So Enoch had been arrested on October 11th, 1967. He went through a series of appeals, and 27 months after he was jailed on October 20th, 1970, he was sentenced to prison for life. 
Over 14 of those months were spent dealing with appeals that Enoch created. So he's sending out appeal after appeal against the um, police um, in the court system. So after he was sentenced, Enoch lawyers appealed again, saying that 27 months was a denial of his Sixth Amendment right. So saying that him being in jail for 27 months before he was sentenced was uh, not a speedy trial. And they won, and he was released from jail. Don't worry, though. That is just jacked up. Yes. Okay, we know it's you. We can prove it. Yeah. And since you sat there for 20, what the hell, man? Just cut it off his sentence. A couple less lives. Yeah, so I was just like, not to mention 14 of those months, he created the problem yeah. by appealing. Yeah. So I'm like, I hope we fix things since then, because this is 1970 when this yeah. happens. So Enoch Chisholm did die in 1979 while awaiting trial for an armed robbery charges. So he still died in jail. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the anonymous tipster received the $3,000 cash reward while remaining anonymous. $3,000 in 19, you know. 70 as well. Yeah, that's some good money. So I do have, um, because I don't understand how he managed to appeal the whole speedy trial thing, I do have a link to um, some legal jargon about his trial that I couldn't understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, you would think that it doesn't... The, that loophole doesn't happen anymore oh, or yeah. everyone would just be freaking appealing. And then how does that all come to play? Cause you read about people that are in, in jail and how, when they go to their sentencing, they get time off for yeah. what they've already spent in jail. Yeah. Well, and... one of his things I know, or um, he said the court took too long to decide whether or not he had enough money to afford his own lawyer. I think that was one of the things that they took like months to decide whether or not he should be represented because that is actually another one of our amendments is that we have the right to counsel. And they were arguing back and forth whether or not he had enough money to provide his own counsel or to have one provided for him. Yeah, I don't know how it worked. That's why I had to I had to provide the link because I'm like, what kind of bullshit is this? And I can't understand all the stupid legal shit. So did the husband rebuild and the diner's still there? Um, I don't think so. I originally heard about this story because of that book I got for Christmas, Blood on the Mitten. I think Melanie gave it to me. Um, and I remember reading at the end, like, what? <laughs> he got off jail? Like, what the hell? And they're like, it wasn't a speedy trial. And I'm just like, well, we need to all do that kind of shit then. <laughs> Let's yeah. do some terrible shit and then get off out of technicality. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So mine's the abducted in plain sight on Netflix. So you're going to go home and watch it. Maybe. Yeah, you have to. The film is about Jane Broberg, who was abducted from a small town um, in Idaho in 1974 at age 12. This is the most unbelievable story you'll ever hear. Okay. The story brings light to how misunderstood manipulation and grooming is of people. Okay. Um... I'm going to give you the top-level stuff. Okay, I'm and, ready. And like I said before, you're yeah. going to be thinking, how in the heck did the parents, like, why they make those decisions and whatnot. But as you watch the documentary, you see how this guy not only manipulated Jan, yeah. but, like, the whole entire family. Oh, I believe it. And I believe things that you become, that people, like, a little at a time change stuff in your environment. You slowly get used to it. Have you ever heard that thing? Um, 
So in one of my psychology classes, I have a degree in psychology, I know it's hard to believe, but they talked about um, <laughs> if you throw a frog into boiling water, he'll immediately try to get out, right? It's boiling water. It's going to kill him. He'll immediately... But if you put a frog in water and then slowly increase the heat, just a tiny bit at a time, he'll slowly get used to, slowly, slowly get used to the hot water until he actually boils to death in there. And I feel like that's how, like, when people are manipulated, you they slowly turn the heat up on you. You don't realize that you're actually, like, boiling on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. So, 1970, the Brobergs met Robert Birchtold. He was married, had kids. He attended the church um, with the Brobergs. Seemed like a nice guy. They became really good friends. Okay. Like, when I say really good friends, meaning... This is a, a small town. They don't lock their doors. He gets up in the morning. He just walks into their house and says, hello, good morning. You know, like oh, that wow. kind of relationship. Okay. Where he can just walk into somebody's house. Okay. In 1974, Robert uh, told uh, Jan's mother that he would take her to her piano lesson. And then he wanted to take her horseback riding. Nothing strange. Jan had been on vacation with them before. They used to go over and have sleepovers in the backyard. He okay. His, so wait, he has a kid about her age? He then? has kids. Okay. Now, in the documentary, it's, I believe, kids, okay. more than one. You don't hear much about his wife comes up like once, and his kids just in passing in uh-huh. statements like that where they would have sleepovers and what not over in his house okay so the issue was that he took her to the piano lesson she went they left for horseback riding and they never came back the two of them never came they back. they never came back wow okay so of course jan's parents like what's up goes over because he lives next door talks to the wife the wife says no need to call the police, you know, no big deal. Uh, a couple days go by. The parents are wondering where their kid is, but have not called the police. Okay. And, and, the, wife, wife, and the wife is like, don't worry, they're probably just out. Yeah, like, don't, well, she straight up said don't call the cops. Oh. Okay. So, they sit the weekend by Sunday, they decide, oh, we're going to call the police. Which I found was interesting is, you know, we grew up, we dialed 911. Yeah. Somebody's missing, right? You call the police. Well, actually, I remember life before 911 was a thing. Okay, maybe this was before 911. Okay. Because they called the FBI. Okay. Yeah, there was a time in which in order to get a hold of somebody, you had to know the number to the police. And when I was a babysitter, that was one of the things they always showed you, like, here's the number to the police. <laughs> you know, interesting... When I moved, we always learned 911 in Ohio. We moved to Michigan. My dad falls down the stairs. I dial 911 to find out that Michigan didn't have 911. Yeah. I had to dial a phone number, which I didn't know the phone number. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm young, and I think my dad's dying. Right. You know, he fell down the steps. And um, then I learned that Michigan was jacked up and didn't have 911. Yeah. Like, what the heck's wrong with you people? Yeah, there was life before And then that. I'm like, my parents moved me to the state. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I always make fun of Ohio, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> and, you know, I had to, it was a couple weeks ago, I had to call 911. Oh, yeah? And do you know they transfer me? They put me on hold. Oh, yeah. They put me on hold. Yeah. I had to tell them where I was. 
Oh, like, yeah. I could be murdered already. Yeah, they don't have a way to automatically locate you. Like, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so they reported her missing. Okay. It took a few days, but they reported her. In the film, they explain how, you know, they were worried, but, you know, his wife said, you know, not to call. And so as the FBI are talking to them, they're trying to explain... She's just been kidnapped. That <laughs> your daughter has been kidnapped. No, my daughter Jan is not kidnapped. No, no, no. She's with the family. She didn't friend. come home, so that means she's kidnapped. But they couldn't believe it. This guy's not going to kidnap their kid. Plus, I think it's part you know? denial because to hear that your kid is kidnapped isn't that the most terrifying thing ever? Is that your kid is kidnapped? The next thing would be that they're murdered, right? The most horrifying. Yeah, thing but is I don't that... think that I would sit there and be like, "Oh, they're in denial, though." No, their kid's not kidnapped. They're just gone. (laughs) She'll she'll come back at some point. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like questioning if this story's real. Because seriously, your kid didn't come home. You waited days. Yeah. Okay, fine. You wait the evening. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they have cell phones. This is when you had, you know, had to go to a damn pay phone. So maybe their car broke down. But at some point, the next, you know, in the next morning... You don't got nothing. You're probably going to call somebody so they can go check. Yeah. You know? Well, denial's strong. Okay. Denial's strong. <laughs> so strong. All right. Yeah, they just, I just think mentally they don't want to believe that their kid is missing because that means horrible things could be happening to her. She could be dead. Somebody could be hurting her. Okay. Yeah. So I tied this into, yeah. this is so unbelievable. But hey, I learned parents microwave babies. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, could yeah. be real. So, Jan's kidnapped, Virtual um, abandoned his car. They found his car abandoned, and it was said to be made to look like a kidnapping. So, he busted it from the window out. Okay. The side window was busted from the inside. He, like, cut himself and added some blood. Oh, as if they were kidnapped together. Yeah. Not that he's kidnapping her, but they were kidnapped together. So, they're assuming at this point he's going to use that. Okay. You know, is they were kidnapped. So he he had done that to his car, but he had owned a uh, RV. Okay. So he moved her to the RV and went to Mexico. What? Yep. Now, what state were they originally in? Idaho. Oh, my God. Um, and his wife told the FBI that they did have another vehicle. They had an RV, and it was in... The storage unit, of course, the FBI goes. It's not there. At this point, I'm thinking, why are you not looking at the wife? Right. I mean, she she has to know. Like, she told them that not to call the police. Here, she knows they have an RV. She ain't worried about it. Like, what the heck? She does look suspicious. You're right. Yeah. And that's pretty much all you hear from the wife. Really? In the documentary. You can hear nothing else. And I'm sitting at the end going, what about the wife? Right. You know? So, dry, he gets to Mexico. They're in Mexico. They get married. Okay? So, he does marry her in Mexico. How old is she? She's 12. Oh, and he can marry in Mexico at 12. At that point, I guess. I don't know if he still can. Okay. So, she's being drugged. Jan is being drugged. This is where the story just, oh my God, the story gets jacked up. And she wakes up and she is strapped to the bed. 
and there's this little box next to her head where aliens start to talk to Jan. So she's hallucinating? No, there is really a box and aliens are coming over the box and talking to her. Well, he set this whole thing and this is what he set up. I'm like illegal aliens? No, <laughs> like extraterrestrial aliens. <laughs> Um, and they're telling her that she is half alien. Okay, well, let me get it. So she's a little girl. She wakes up. She's drugged. She's still half out of her mind. He set this box next to her so that he can manipulate her into believing that, that she's, she's half alien. And that there's a mission. Oh, my God. And the mission is to find this chosen male... And have a baby by age 16. And if she doesn't have a baby by age 16 or she chooses not to do the mission, that they will abduct her sister, who also is half alien, and kill her father and all this stuff. So she passes back out. So she hears all this. She passes back out. She wakes up. She's no longer strapped to the bed. Uh-oh. She's moving around the RV and lo and behold, who's there looking battered and beaten but virtual? What? Okay. So she's trying to wake him up. He wakes up. She tells him what's going on in the mission. She believes at this point she has been, you know, abducted by aliens. Oh. That she's half alien. And then they proceed to, you know, read books on sex. And all this oh, stuff. Oh, so now he's like grooming her for sex. Yeah. Oh. And so, and they, and you know, she decides she has to do this. You know, she has to fulfill this mission. And she talks about how they, when he would have sex with her, he would be talking about only one one inch in and stuff like that because he didn't he didn't want to pop her cherry. What? You know, because then they would know if he would ever be caught with her, that he did sexually abuse her. So he took it just to the limit. Just the time. tip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this goes on. The FBI's looking for him. He actually calls his brother and says that he'll, he'll come home if the Brobergs agree that he can marry Jan. Okay? What about his wife? I, again, like, she's just like... Doesn't matter. Doesn't Does it, matter. Oh, okay. He's obsessed with Jan, and really, like I said, the documentary doesn't talk about her. So, his brother calls the Brobergs and tells them this. What? So he doesn't call the FBI? <laughs> yeah. So, what the hell, Yeah, people? trying to find out. They, his brother claims on the documentary that he knew he was a pedophile. He, wait, so his brother claims that he that he knew the original... Wait, what's the guy's name again? Uh, Robert. He knows that Robert is a pedophile? Yeah. And just lets it ride? Yeah. What an asshole. Yeah. So, of course, Brobergs are like, no, you can't, no not going to happen. So the FBI starts recording um, the conversations and whatnot. Well, they, find, they locate him. Let's fast forward. They locate him. Arrest him. Get Jan. 
Broberg's fly out to get their daughter. She's, of course, distraught because she's got to fin finish well, the mission. She's brainwashed at this point. They need to do some anti-brainwash yeah. work well, on her. they don't know. Oh, shit. And he told, he uh, gave his ring to one of the guards, Robert did, uh -huh. Virgil, and um, so that he could talk to Jan before she's seen her parents and said, don't say, don't say anything, you know, because, you know, people will die, the alien says, <sighs> you know. So, she goes home. Of course, she's acting different. He gets arrested. Somehow, oh, his wife does come back into play because his wife asks, asks them to say that he didn't kidnap her. So, the FBI is working their whole case and everything, and here comes the Brobergs, and they tell the FBI and the courts that he didn't kidnap her, uh. that they let him take them. They were just on vacation. So he didn't get enough time for this. Okay? Oh, my God. He did go to uh, some different, another state, got some therapy. Okay. Came back, continues to get jacked up here. <laughs> um, tells the Brobergs that part of his therapy is to lay with Jan as she sleeps. So. What? I think I wrote it down. It's like four times a week for like six months. He laid in bed with Jan while she slept, which, of course, you know, he was molesting, molesting her. Yes. So his parents thought it was weird saying the documentary. They thought it was odd. But, you know, he's having so naive, mm -hmm. so yep. naive and trusting. Yeah. So he continues to manipulate everybody. He manipulates the parents so much that. He gets Jan's mother to believe that she's in love with him, and they have a relationship. Okay, so he's molesting Jan. He's having a relationship with the mother. A sexual one? Sexual. And a, and a sexual relationship with the father. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So not... Not just Jan. He's not just having sex with their daughter. He's also... And at this one, she's like, what, 13? Yeah, we can't tell by now. Um... But her parents, both her parents. Both her parents, yep, separately. No, Nobody at this point, I think, knows anything. Until Robert calls uh, Jan's father and tells him that he's having sex with his wife. Why would he do that? I don't know, because he needs to break up the relationship so they get a divorce, because that's what Jan's father did. He filed for divorce. Break the relationship up so the kids would go with, Jan, er, with the mother and he would be able to be with the mother and then have full access to Jan. But it didn't work that way because Jan's father was like, screw you, I'm taking the kids. So he took the kids and oh, told her to get the hell out of the house. Dang. Yeah. Didn't work, Robert. Yeah. But they, and then ultimately they. But was Robert still sleeping then with the dad? I don't think at this point. Okay. That, I think that has ended. Now it didn't work for him, you know. So they um, they end up Jan's parents end up not getting a divorce because now now they 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 think they believe that this dude's manipulating. So them. they're starting to see it, like. But don't worry, they're not really starting to see it. Okay, oh, so really because he's okay, he's yeah. literally fucking they the both it of you. They for a minute. Okay. Okay, got back together. Okay. And then, um, nineteen seventy six. Okay. Jan gets kidnapped again. Yep. 
So at this point, she's 14. Okay. But yeah. how does Jan get kidnapped? Another the, horse trip? The mother, <laughs> he lives in Wyoming. I think he's in Wyoming now. Okay. Okay. He owns a amusement park, a kid's amusement park. Jan wants to go work there. Just so you know, kids in Wyoming were getting molested all yeah. over the place oh, yeah. at that park. So he, and of course, Jan's still stuck on this mission she needs to complete. No. Yeah. They're writing letters back and forth, all kinds of stuff. Still, He's still in contact with Jan. His, the mother allows Jan to go to Wyoming for two weeks to this amusement park. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, jeez. And so, yeah, what happened? I think I'm, I'm, think I'm backwards. Okay. They go to the amusement. She, she doesn't get kidnapped yet. Okay. She, that's when her mother let her go to the amusement park. She flies her home. She's pissed. Jan's pissed off. Okay. She's not pregnant. She needs uh, to be pregnant. She needs to finish the mission. 1976 is when she, he comes to Idaho to her bedroom window and she, he kidnaps her from her room. So, corruption. Dang. That's how it happened. Okay. So, he takes her. They wake up. She doesn't come up for breakfast. Her dad goes downstairs. She's missing. He enrolls her, virtual, Robert, enrolls her into an all-girls Catholic school in California. Where he tells the nuns that he's a CIA agent. Jesus, he's, he's a psychopath. He's got to finish this mission. And they he needs to enroll her. So she's there. So Wait, so he's in Wyoming and she's in California? Yep. But they're I know, supposedly I, close. Yeah. you got to watch it. It's so jacked up. Okay. But yes, he yeah. goes and visits her on the weekends. Okay. It takes the uh, Brobergs two weeks to call the uh, FBI to tell them that their kid's missing. Why? Why this time? They're not, you know, they're thinking she'll come home or, you know, something's up. <gasps> months. This is now, now fast forward months. She's gone for months, you know. Virgil's calling them all day distraught because where's Jan? Who wears Jan? You know and he's calling... He's calling the Blodgetts and saying He's calling that? the Brobergs, telling oh, Brobergs them... Brobergs, I mean Blodgetts, sorry. He calls the Brobergs? <laughs> yeah, and telling him, and then then it starts to be that he's calling them saying that Jan called him. <gasps> what a... Yeah, man. so, okay, oh, all this is going what? on. Fast forward, the FBI find, finds him, watches him, finds Jan, brings Jan home. Okay? Doesn't work, does it? While she's home, mm -hmm. of course, there's still a mission, and um, how did, I'm now I'm lost, I'm not even, like, just tossed my notes aside, because I'm so far out, I don't even you know. You literally tossed them to the side. <laughs> um, so, something happens, they find, you know, they find out that he was, had been manipulating them, he... Birch told is pissed off okay. that he's in jail. He pissed he's pissed off that they took Jan. He catches the uh convinces two people that he was in jail with to burn the uh, family's business. What? So this is where it all comes out. 
So the family business is on fire. Their literal family business is on fire? Yeah, the, yeah, the whole, actually burnt the block. Oh yeah. my God. So it didn't just burn his, their, their business down, burn a whole bunch of businesses down. Oh my God. And he, the father is holding, there's three kids, Jan, two other sisters, and then the mother, and he's holding them and he says he doesn't care. All he needs in life is right there. Yeah. And then that's when the story breaks of the aliens. So and she the starts mission. to tell him about the Yeah. All comes out at that point. Oh my god. So the yeah. parents now know she was brainwashed and she needs deprogramming. Yeah. So that happened. He the two people that set fire were arrested. They couldn't pin it on virtual so let me talk about that okay. all the time okay so he was rested the first time he didn't get um i think he got 10 days the first time he kidnapped her yeah um the second time he kidnapped her he claimed insanity he got charged with a lesser charge but it was a few years in jail but somehow the judge worked you know Time served, oh, all this yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. got 45 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, this dude spent, like, no time in jail. Right? And he's kidnapped for this twice stuff. now. <laughs> yep. So, fast forward, mom writes a book. There's a book out there about this. The daughter is older. She's giving presentations. They're talking about the book. He is still in their lives. He is... Um, showing up at their events, telling people that it's lies. They had to go to court and rehash the whole story and get a restraining order. The guy ultimately um, kills himself. Virtual does? Yeah, Virtual commits suicide in like 2005 or 6 or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it's such a jack... You got to watch it. I know what you're like, saying. Like, you have to watch it. It is so... You're watching it the whole time going, what the... Yeah. Like, this happens. This is not real. The, like, how... And so when I was online, I'm looking, and I'm like, wow, like, everyone's talking about the parents. Okay? They made some messed up choices. All right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, I'm, like, sitting there thinking, like, wow, I know you can be manipulated into doing things. Oh, yeah. I, I know you can. Yeah. I did not know... Like, the extent of how you can, like, be manipulated to the point that you don't even run your own life. Oh, yeah. Like, that you can, like, be being groomed and never know it and literally be doing these things, mm. having that little thought in the back of your head like they did, the Brobergs did, like, mm. this isn't right. Something's not right. Yeah. And... But you're so, you've been manipulated and groomed all this time that you can't. You you have lost all. Oh, I. You're insane. One time I had this uh, friend started dating someone and then instantly they like weren't available to come out anymore. And there's always reasons and the other person, you know, needed them for this or needed them for that. And then to the point where you, then you just stop seeing them. They yeah, and they to just them, got, that's got to be normal. Yeah. Now, you know, in the back of their mind, they're probably thinking something. But you can't, you've lost all control to be able to say, yeah. this isn't right. It, like, it's like something's not clicking. So I actually felt bad for 
her dad after the document shortly after the documentary come out i think yeah. that he passed away her mom's still alive she's a social worker that um focuses on abuse children abuse okay. and child abuse um and she's actually an actress yeah um jan is she's okay. She's acted and, you know, she speaks okay. on this stuff. And other other children came out, other women came out um, after, you know, all of this, all the book and everything came out and said that he, Birchall, molested them. Told you. You know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But I just felt really bad, like, and realized why I don't use social media that yeah. often, you know. I, like, go on, post a picture of my dog. Right. Um, but how much hatred and criticism to the parents. Yes, they made some bad choices. Okay? Yeah. But in my focus was just like, wow. They well, didn't, they couldn't, you know? Like, yeah. you, they probably were so deep in it, they didn't know. I mean, come on, this guy convinced the mother that she was in love with him. Yeah convince the father and then when you watch it when you watch the documentary it talks about how he convinced him to relieve him like they took a drive and how his wife wasn't satisfying him uh, and convince jan's father yeah. to relieve him in the car like uh, he's like these people are this is over years yeah. but i just i just felt like i mean yeah there should be something said, like, dude, you you guys should have, this, after the first time, you should have... Known. The FBI told you not what this guy was doing. Yeah. You know, you, you should have tried to, like, leave, but I don't think in the 70s it was like, oh, you could just sell your house and pick up and move, you know? Like, yeah. I, I don't know, but I just feel like everybody is focused on these parents and how horrible they were as parents and the things that the decisions they made and i'm thinking we all need to be focused on if the people in our lives are fucking manipulating us yeah like who in the hell are you being manipulated right now that's the question i asked myself <laughs> when the documentary ended right but everyone's just so focused on the parents and i'm not i'm like what the hell we need to figure out who in our lives are grooming us Manipulating and us. Manipulating and manipulating us. Yeah. And doing, a, and to doing what they want. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the hell? Well, that friend I always said to, to this day is constantly being manipulated, but you can't tell them that. Not so much, I think sometimes people don't want to admit when they make a mistake. Yeah. So they just double down instead. Yeah. <laughs> I, give, I give the parents credit. They're in the documentary. Okay. They are very candid. I mean, you're, you're going to watch this yeah. and you're going to know in gruesome detail what in the hell was going on and i give them credit for that oh, i mean yeah. obviously you know they see it now that after years of not being under his control and probably a lot of therapy yeah they realize what this man did and i think they should be given credit for going on oh yeah telling their story you know writing a book I mean, come on, this woman was a housewife. She didn't do anything. They owned a floor a florist company. Okay. You know? She went to school to be a social worker, to help people. I mean, like, why why isn't anybody focusing on that? I mean... That's a good point. You know? So, obviously, they made a mistake and learned from it, became a social worker, started speaking out on it, 
And the openness, that's really being vulnerable. When you tell somebody, I got, you know, shysted, and you tell them all the stuff that made you vulnerable, and then they use that to be mean to you, that's terrible. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, her, their daughter, Jan, says, you know, she doesn't blame them. Yeah. She sees what, you know, this guy did. Oh, and yeah. the other kids didn't seem to. They're all in the documentary. And I, I just think it's interesting that we're all focused on let's give a list and talk shit about the parents and, you know, so not questioning, you know, who's manipulating freaking who. Or even the good that came out of it. You know, that yeah, can, the good. Yeah, social worker and being open mm -hmm. about the subject makes other people uh, feel like they can be open. Yeah. They said that movie, The Burning Bed, made women be able to feel like they could talk about the fact that they've been abused at home. Yeah. And made them come forward more. So sometimes... That kind of stuff has good stuff. Yeah, so now you got to go home. Yeah. You got to watch this documentary. Yeah. Then you got to call me. Figure out who's manipulating me. And then next next podcast, yeah. I'm going to get your, your thoughts. All right. And then I think I'm not going to watch another documentary on Netflix for a little while. You might need some time. I need your some time. Your little Crime up. Watch Daily's got me all messed up. Oh, my God. That thing's great. Right now, I'm in the middle of a story that I saw on Crime Watch Daily that I'm... Right now, but I was just like, damn it, Jen, let with the me, crime watch daily. Yeah, well, let me point out yeah. that on Facebook, uh -huh. I'm like holding my phone like everybody can see it. Like, <laughs> see? <laughs> right? They have a Facebook page. They do. And if you like the page, yeah. then you get it in your news feed. So yeah. you get I all the know. goods. I'm already going to need therapy after I finish out this segment, though. Yeah. I'm going to need some therapy. Yeah, but do, do you notice, too, that, like, okay, so you know that it's part one of five. Oh, yeah. Two of five. No, they'll say, and then they're, no, they're too smart for that. They'll just say part one. They don't let you know that there's four oh, yeah, other parts true, or don't. five other parts. But, so you know there's another part. But have yeah. you ever listened, you know, watched one? Yeah. And then be like, I'm not watching part two. But then you got to watch part two. Like, let me, oh, what, well, what? one I did stop in the middle of a guy that murdered his pregnant wife and children. Um, I Or pregnant wife, I think, not the, and left the children. But um, you... What he didn't realize was his neighbors had an outside camera because their garage had been broken into. And you could see in the upper left-hand corner of their view him pull his truck into the garage and load the body in. But you can't see him load the body in, but you can see him. He's, and the neighbor's like, he's never backed his truck in. The guy starts to sweat when he hears that the, there's a camera. Uh, like, literally, his face becomes visibly shiny. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. I'm addicted. I'm so upset. But I I watched, like, three out of the four. I was just like, no, he did it. I don't need to hear him confess. <laughs> Whatever. Just watching him literally sweat balls. Yeah, but you don't know if he, like, went to jail. What happened he if did. he got off? Nope, he got him went to jail. But I was like, no, I'm just watching him literally. The oh, shit. He literally, <laughs> his face at one point says, oh, shit. <laughs> Even if his mouth and his face said it. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, and correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, Podbean, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.